0: Bullshit! Welcome to another episode of the Nobius Marketing Show. Last week on the show, we interviewed clients and friends to get their perspective of the Nobius marketing platform throughout the years. This week, we dive headfirst with the Mastovich family, interviewing Day's parents and sons as they share heartfelt stories and experiences. To begin, we sat down with Alec Brevin and Carter to answer a few questions, and this is what they had to say.
1: The thing I like most about my dad's no BS marketing platform is definitely the workshops because I like the podcast and the blogs and everything too, but being an intern, I got to help firsthand with the workshops and I got to see how much like effort he puts in and time off the screen and stuff and how just under control he is and how he like takes time to, for each of the CEOs or in the workshop to help whatever they need before and after because before we do prep what people don't even realize and the CEOs don't realize and then after we do like bomb bombs and other stuff that we specialize with exactly what they need to help so we can try to help them and he like actually cares about the clients and the CEOs so it's just cool to see and then it's like how how long the CEO workshop is it takes couple hours sometimes and just how he is so calm and under control and doesn't get frustrated or tired because even whenever I was working with him firsthand I would see because of COVID we were doing them a lot over the cameras and using lights and stuff because we had to do it from home and just how he just doesn't even get fluttered or flustered or anything because there's issues with the other places like when we were doing Denver and Las Vegas and stuff there there was tech issues and he didn't even care and he was just under control. It was just cool to see that and that's one of the things that people probably don't even realize about the platform is the workshops and that's probably my favorite thing.
2: What I like most about the no BS marketing platform, being one of the three sons, I get to see like a behind the look kinda like Brevin, what he said. I get the opportunity to see the no B S show and his ideas from the start and finish before anybody else sees them. And It's just really cool, and I get to learn and grow from what he's teaching me. And I'm not really an intern like Brevin, but I did do a lot of the workshop and lighting and other type of stuff and bomb-bomb videos even, but I didn't get paid. But, (laughs) I mean, I got to sell my invoice for him. But, I mean, (laughs) I think it's really cool. It doesn't really matter the price because I don't care about being paid. It's just the, the knowledge that I gained from that was just something that I could never get back.
3: The one thing I like the most about the No BS marketing platform is how genuine it is. My dad does a really great job of making each episode different from the last, podcast different from the last. He takes really good pride in that. And I've seen it firsthand over the years and with me, Brevin and Carter working um, over the years. I take pride in that knowing that, you know, it's a great family company and he really wants to put the best product out there. And you know you can slap on a podcast for 10 minutes or 30 minutes but no matter what episode or blog you read it's going to be very valuable to you and anyone no matter if you're a college student or old you can find something of value
1: for your expertise or professional career so that you could tell a thousand stories about how my dad's a no BSer because you could I could be talking all day but there's the one thing i thought that was really cool that he did before anyone was those um light readings with the music he did those and before this was a long time i can't even give you the year probably like 2007 2010 what do you think mike
2: yeah i think it was around
4: 12 years ago i think was when we did a couple of the the sounds of
2: marketing or the later ones, so probably
4: 2005
3: to 2008. Maybe. Yeah,
1: so like I was younger, but I could still see. I remember going on vacation. My dad was working on some of those and making those. And that's just the way I think of that, No, like a no BSer. He's doing something that I would never think of. And I can't even, I've never seen something like that before. So, and then another reason I think he's a no BSer is because he was, he started this podcast before podcasts were really like they are today there's a billion podcasts now before he when he was doing it i i didn't really even realize how like what a podcast was really going to be until what it is now and i listen to him here and there like i have a couple favorites but it's just crazy to see what my dad's really built here and i'm proud of him because i remember being at grandview whenever or second house whenever he like first started thinking about doing it and then he was just so passionate about it so it was That's whenever I really thought he was a couple times he's a no-BSer.
3: For me as the oldest son, one way that I found out my dad was a no-BSer would probably be how he would always have our back. So I'll tell a quick story here. I wasn't necessarily a troublemaker, but one time I got in a little trouble at high school, and we'll say that I was not in the wrong here. I I needed some defense. So my dad, just uh, he rolled up out of town, came in a suit and Ray-Bans, and got right to the point, came into the principal's office and was – very stern, but very fair, aggressive, but what he had to be, and I'll never forget, because we got what we needed, but we didn't look like we were, you know, like a white Karen or something, or, you know, how things are today, so it was very interesting, I I really respect how professional he was, but, you know, he could get the job done, whether it's on the field, off the field, or business, or in personal life, so it's, it's interesting to see how this guy can be in different arenas and still find a way out successfully
2: one not necessarily a time but an entire like soggy you could say of mass au i know that he was not a bullshitter in that respect because he coached alec brevin and i and we obviously went through so many teams so many different you know wins and losses and there's many games in au it's a, a weird business that there's many a lot of cheating you could say for certain teams And my dad never really stood for B.S. And I remember one time in Solon, Ohio, I think multiple teams got cheated Alec and my team I believe got cheated and I think Brevin's team may have gotten as well it
1: didn't matter if we were cheated (laughs) yeah it
2: didn't but my team at that time we had like not what not not lost a game we like won every single game Mm -hmm. so when the first time that we lost that season we were absolutely like cheated we got technicals called on us my dad got one of his technicals that he rarely ever gets technical maybe in like 10 years it's very rare and like one of our players got technicals and he just wouldn't stand for it. He went straight to the tournament director, not in, like, a Karen way, as Alec would say, but in, like, a businessman sort of respect that said, like, you know what? Like, we're one of the best teams. We won't even come back and stuff like that. So he just would never stand for any bullshit, whether it's basketball or in life in general. So one thing that I have
1: really learned from my dad coaching and even my teammates when we were younger would be win with class and lose with class. Which means, like, sometimes, like, the game or the refs or something doesn't go your way, but you still have the respect of the other team and the game to really just show the respect, I guess. You know, like, don't pout, don't cry, like, just. And I, could, I can tell you right now, like, all I've been a part of so many different teams, like, good and bad. Like, I, I've been on like teams that won playoff games, teams, and then I've been on teams that are like, you struggling just to even win a game here and there. <laughs> so it, it's good to like learn that because whenever you're high and mighty you're winning you still show the team respect you don't rub it in their face and then whenever you're losing you don't get in a fight or try to beat someone up because you're losing it's and i can tell you right now my old teammates of from metro and stuff would could tell you the win of class lose with class because my dad would say it every game win or lose so that's something i really like taking i could still even do it today because even if I like don't do well in a class or something I'm not gonna like cry and fight I'm not gonna go be rude to the professor I'm gonna still show up and just show them the respect that I want you know what I mean
2: yeah with my teams we usually were at a very high percentage of wins and when we lost there'd be some players in the team that might cry there'd be some t- players in the team that might get you know really down but my dad always taught us every single player that's ever played for my dad knows when it's class lose the class and if you lose you it's like it's unclassy to just cry and not shake hands you got to go shake their hand congratulate them and respect for the game like brevin said you got to respect the game of basketball
3: yeah i think you guys brought up some great points so as the oldest i remember the original mass solutions au team was bethel basketball club if anyone remembers those Mm -hmm. days and we always took pride in the mass solutions name and we'd be on tournaments and you'd have the big bracket on the wall and they'd be like, Mass Solutions, what is this? And it'd be my father's company. So the win with class, lose with class, it's a beautiful motto. You know, he'd always make us make sure we leave it all on the floor and make sure that we carried the best reputation for the brand. But behind the scenes, not many people knew how much of a personal coach he was. You know, I've played football and basketball at a couple of different high schools and had plenty of coaches. And I'm not even just saying this because it's my father, but you really don't appreciate how good of a coach you have until the coach doesn't coach you anymore. And, man, this guy, he would be there for every kid, whether you have a 10th best guy on the team or of a star. He'd make sure you get some minutes. And not even about that, just he'd make sure that you were seeing value in being there. And he'd really make sure that you were having a good time while we were winning and making sure that you felt like you were part of a team. We had a great mantra there all three of us had great teams to be around even if we weren't winning so much it'd be a great col- culture and everything and I think that's what he taught us to still carry to this day
2: yeah building on what alex said with the um with the 10th best guy and the best guy whether you were the best guy or the 5th best guy or whatever you ha- whatever your strength was he would use you in the game exactly to like to exactly of your abilities in the perfect time so like players that normally for any other coach wouldn't see the last 3 minutes of the game. He would fit in that three-point shooter with 2 minutes left that normally wouldn't be in the game or that really good defensive player for that or a great rebounder like he would mix that in with the game the entire time and everybody would get those valuable minutes throughout the game.
3: That's a great point. I think Brev could even add on this too, you know. He would plan out things to such a far extent like even with coach Gilmar on the bench and coach Andrews He'd be like, what do you think about the 8-minute and 20-second mark? We put Mike Kapusta in or someone like that. It's just crazy how much he would plan it out and just cover all the bases.
1: Yeah, and uh, one thing that he, he gave with a lot of coaches I played for didn't, and it's not really their fault, but it's just the way he is, his style, is giving the player freedom and giving the player, able if you're you're able to make a mistake and still be okay, like – I've been a part of teams where if you get yanked, you uh you make a mistake or something. I, I it wasn't even me if I made a mistake. My teammates, if they turn the ball over or they foul someone, something stupid, like he wouldn't freak out. He would give you a chance to at least make up for it or at least give you a couple minutes to just forget about it and then take you out if you needed it. He wouldn't just yank you and you know that you don't see that as much as you should because I feel like that's just not the way you should coach. And I'm not trying to single out other coaches. I'm just saying that that's just how a lot of coaches. Exactly. Because, you
3: know, that kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth and bad memory, too. You don't want to have any bad memory of getting yanked from some game or something and, you know, having a bad taste in your mouth for a long term. He'd really let you work through your mistakes, and he was a really personable coach.
1: One thing that others might not know about my dad is – He's always trying to, well, not, I don't think he's even trying. He's always teaching without even meaning to. Cause I, um, through basketball and even everyday life and this internship, he's, he's just taught me so much little things. And he's trying to like teach me about like life and stuff that like I, I don't, I don't know or I'm not even prepared. So I'm getting like the experience that I've learned from him throughout my whole life is, great and i can just tell that he's not even trying to teach me but i like i'm smart enough to take in what he's saying because he's successful and he's he's great dad so I, I try to just learn every chance i get and he he wants and he another thing that he that people won't know about him, he wants to make you better like he he cares about everybody if it's uh, one of the team members on the mass team or it's a team member on a basketball team or something he just wants what's best for you and everybody so it's That's something that I think others might not know about my dad.
3: I think that's a great point. I think to continue off that, another facet that people might not know about our dad is this guy has a motor like no one else. We used to call him the machine. His drive and his passion is unmatched. Truly, I've seen him just work on vacation, answer calls at 11 o'clock at night, do everything in between him and still find time to get to practice at six o'clock. I don't know how he finds the time of the day to make it all work. But like Brevin said, you know, he'd still coach you and be so personable with everyone, but without being a watchdog. And I think that's a really tough thing to have because, you know, you can't really make a relationship with a boss and have someone as a mentor or someone you truly care about, like the old days or anything now. And our dad, you know, he just works through and just has so much passion and if you're on the team he's going to make sure that you're taken care of and that everything's smooth and we're all operating to peak efficiency you know i've even seen back years ago when he first started the podcast the technical issues we've had at the company are just something that follows him around with our bad luck but he'll never give up like i remember eric walker was shooting the show with him in philadelphia and they tried to film a whole episode in the hotel room hour and a half later the whole episode didn't record this guy is unfazed, just right back at it doing it again. If that was me, I'd be throwing a computer out of the room. Just he'll do anything to get results, and he'll make sure that you know it's the best results he can give, and it's a superior result and driven response.
0: Next, we have Dave's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Mastovich, as they share wonderful stories that some may have never heard before. From Dave's early on entrepreneurial skills to the beginning days of Dave on the radio. This is what they wanted to share. This is
1: the fifth anniversary podcast. This is Brevin, Dave's son. I have two very special guests for this week's podcast. It's my grandfather and grandma, Pappy and Grammy. I just want to say hello. Hi, Hi, doing? So when did my dad get into radio? I know that he was doing it in college. Did he do anything before, like newspaper or anything? Any, like, I know yeah. Uncle Mike and him started jobs and stuff, but...
4: Well, he, did, he had his DJ business. See, that was, uh, and I was a roadie. So that. <laughs> yes. they but, did. They
1: started that, in their teenage
4: days. Both of our first, Mike and then Dave, started right Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: didn't they do like ice or something? What did they do? Yeah. What was their they businesses? Did it. I it. Didn't they do ice or
4: something? I, well, when I had the refrigerator, I had an ice machine that I had in the shop that I kept full of, full of ice I, initially i was working on it to repair it and i repaired it and the customer end up saying they're gonna buy a new one so i ended up letting it in a shop and it was running in there and so my enterprising son david which <laughs> mike was the roadie for his too he <laughs> yeah. took my place well he was energizing that he, he raised throwing down to the businesses in town and bars and places and Went in and asked them if they needed ice. He can give them a good deal on ice, good price. So he got about so, seven, eight orders to start. So we ended up going when his mother was over buying meat at the grocery store, puff store. They, they had these bags over there that were five and seven and ten pound bags. So they got ten pound bags. She got uh, off of the meat place and they ended up, uh, that was another customer from the meat place, was my, um, our son's buying ice bags to pack ice and sell it and they had uh say four or five regular customers weekends were crazy so they'd be uh in the ice business for a while
1: back in the the radio the, what did he start he started in college right or did he start before that no, high up, school okay
4: high school up on yep. Cover hill he was a dj on the on the radio on certain set hours Started out part time and then he was full time and then next thing I know he's regular up there. Then when he went down to Indiana, the radio station in Indiana, he was a DJ down there on a the year while he was going to college. So he was way well into the radio.
1: Yeah, that was he was really getting himself ready for the podcast. That's what he was doing. <laughs> that was yeah, the way, way
4: back in he was thinking he
1: about didn't even know it. <laughs> yeah, he was thinking about it. Yeah, I remember him telling me stories how he had to sell like ads to the. Radio stations, or the radio stations would get ads from people, so it was cool to learn about that. But I didn't realize he had started. Where did you say Cover Hill or something?
4: It's up on top of yeah, Frankstown, Cover Hill, the radio station that was WJNL at that time. Yeah, he was just in high school got I mean, that job, yeah. right? Yeah, he was in high school at that. But he I was talking about sales. He he did the same thing after the bars and that. He went to different clubs, he got their advertising. and. Uh, Different newsstands and different places all around the small ones. The next thing I know, he was into going into big businesses. So he was very enterprising at that time. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. That just shows that he like wanted to start and do stuff on his own, yeah. which was good. That's kind of how he got.
4: Yeah,
1: had the drive to start his own business, and then. And the- you know
4: what? We we didn't uh, push him into this. This was something he went into on his own. Very mm-hmm. tight. Yep. We just uh, went along with him, but we didn't push him
0: to go, into or even suggest that he go into that. No, and
4: then uh, the ice machine business, as I said, when they got started with that, that's they saw they could make some money in that. I pitied Michael when Mike, our son Michael and him were together, and they work together. David asked Mike, "Well, here's what I I think we ought to do here, and we draw this." They they started comic books, making writing comic books to them, and they had Michael Mino making pictures. But yeah, it used to be funny. You'd hear them now; they'd be real quiet, and they'd have an idea, and then they'd go draw the pictures and that. And his his brother Mike, your uncle Mike, yeah. He'd draw the picture all out of it, be all real nice, and he'd slide it over to Dave and look at it, and he'd take a picture.
0: <laughs> you didn't do this,
4: <laughs> Finally, they, they'd get to arguing, and I said, Look, Dave, I tell him, Mike draws the pictures, they're all drawn good, but in your mind, they're not what they are, so he can't think what you're thinking. Yeah. You better let him draw the pictures, then look at them and say, No, I wanted this, this, or that. I said they used to
1: jump on him. And Mike, where's Mike and Get the thing all nice. And the David, that's not what I'm talking about. Uncle Mike was just trying his best. My dad wants everything perfect. I think I remember hearing a story that great grandma was actually sitting there watching, and she told my dad, "She's like, stop
4: beating me, Uncle
1: Mike, because he, he's just trying his best. He's not trying to make you mad." Oh, that's well, funny.
4: Used to be a regular one. Yeah. Oh, he, he like I said, he'd get. He'd, He was a hustler. I'll say he was a hustler for him and Mike both. I said he was a salesman out there with the ice machine stuff. Mike would have the bags tagged, the bookkeeping and everything written up, and Dave would do the running and selling, and they'd both deliver then. So then they'd deliver. That that went a good while, I guess, until, oh, they were both up in high school pretty high before they got out of that. They were seniors, maybe. That's when he got into DJing. He was they doing too did, many things at once. They so, just put the money between them, is that what they did? Yeah, well, yeah, well they, they learned how to, you had to buy bags and have enough money for his dad. And then they didn't give nothing to dad for the ice machine with the ice or pay and the water and light bill. <laughs> <laughs> that was free gratis. I lesson <laughs> business don't work like that. <laughs>
1: oh, that's funny. Well, I'm glad that I got to come up here and I always love coming to Johnstown cause I mean, it's my dad's hometown and I could tell he loves it so much. And it's always good to see my grandma and grandpa, grandma and pappy. So I was glad that I got to talk to you guys here. And is there anything else you want to say?
4: Well, yeah, we're very proud of uh, both our sons, Michael and Dave, and they both did well.
0: Yeah.
4: And we, we yeah. have children. Their children are uh, taking after them and they're coming up to the ranks. So I think we can carry on our name and family <laughs> traditions. I hope it stays in a good and trustworthy and uh, sentimental way. I'm I'm sentimental with all of the kids, both sides, everybody, and we we enjoy having them here with us and visiting. That now that they're all grown up, we sort of miss sleeping out on the porch and doing different. Uh, Events and fishing and so forth. So I hope we can carry on that now with our grandkids kids.
1: Um. Yeah. No. The but back to saying outside. Last time I visited, I I told Pappy, I was like, "Are we gonna sleep outside?" And then I was like, "Let's go BB gun and fishing." You're like, "Hey, I can't. I'm an old man. I can't be doing that." <laughs> so yeah, I gotta I gotta keep that tradition going. I, yeah. The story for the listeners: my grandpa, me, Alec, and Carter would sleep out on this little porch. It'd be great. We'd have sleeping bags. It'd be nice because it's like a cold air. But we had to have been so young. I can't imagine Pappy's back like waking up in the morning and having to wake, move around. <laughs> I feel like my back would hurt so bad because if I did that right now, it would hurt. And I'm 21. So that's just yeah, a you know, funny, funny little mini story. But yeah, it was, it was just you
4: with the kids too. Once I wasn't out there. Well, you come out for a little yeah, bit, but you—you would be smart
1: enough to go inside, <laughs> to sleep.
4: Pappy was happy to have you guys out there. Paper boy would meet him in the morning.
1: Yeah, he'd wake everybody up. <laughs> Alright, well, I think that's good. I knew this, this show. He got scared.
4: He didn't know whether to drop the rod or what. Well, oh, some worms. we never We never got the fish.
1: Okay, so Marcel, this is the ending, but we're just going to add this in. This is going to be like a mini story. So, okay, I'll talk to him and I'm gonna say, how do you want me to start this? You want to say, so... With the boys, fish, gosh, okay. We had a nice fishing trip. So, with the trips you guys would go up to the cabins and everything, did you guys ever have any fishing trips?
4: Yeah, well, you, we used to have it uh, in the borough here, and there's a big dam up on, it's about a, I'd say, 7 8 mile hike. So, we used to have the guys with a merit badge, form, you had to do a 5 a 10 or 15 so many mile hike each time. They so many hikes, to earn a merit badge. So, we used to always have from the borough building, which is our bush Scout building in town, and hike the whole way up through the mountain and down into the dam up, which was about the we'd count that as the five mile hike, because it came out to like six, seven mile. Then when you got there, you'd walk, you could walk and fish the whole way around the dam. So by the time I had my best buddy Dino was a scout scoutmaster with me, we were we were both there and we had about 16, 18 kids, I guess. And we hiked and did this hike the whole way up and we got all set up around the dam in different spots. Well, Dave was a younger, he was a younger guy. He always was uh, maybe two years behind all these oh. other guys that was in there. And he did hold his own with them, but there was times that he was still my youngest son, not my oldest. he <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just learned. Yeah. yeah. So i am hook everybody up. I'd, I'd be hooking up, get his hook set and everything, and I'd give it to him to cast, and I started to go down and hook another guy up, and he wound that thing up. and. <laughs> it come backwards and the hook went into my ear and he hooked my ear and he was ready to throw it out and hold it, stop, hold it. And I'm holding my ear in the line and he was he didn't know whether to slow it or roll down or what. And he he turns around and says, What should I do? And I said, just lay it down easy. <laughs> we'll cast it again. I think at the time him and his buddy Scott, I was working in the garage and I'm in the middle of doing something. And he said, Dad he comes over and said, Dad, can I have this tank? Uh, yeah, take, go what take it. I wasn't even, didn't even look. I wasn't thinking so. Here he grabbed a 30 pound can of Freon, which was worth a couple hundred dollars worth of gas. Freon gas. And they went, and next thing I know about an hour, about 45 minutes later, I hear from the school a call that uh, I got to go down to the school. Uh, did you let your boy have this? And I, here, when, when I got the far, I go down and I come in, and there, there he is, him and his buddy Scott. One's holding a horn, one of the air horns, and the other one's turning the gas and blasting the whole gym. Well, here they ruined the game. The referees were throwing them out of the game and out of the building. Principal asked yeah, for that gas. Called me, called me to go down there, but the gas was dangerous, illegal now. It is because it's free on. And he
1: said, Well you told me I could have it. <laughs> oh my god. So my dad did a health hazard in the old school. <laughs> and you didn't even think they look, you just thought he was taking some random thing. He's yeah. trying to kill people. So can I take this?
4: when I have this? Yeah, but... I could just see you because you like to pay attention to I was players. involved in repairing something and he was
0: bothering me. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Nobius Marketing Show. We'll be using the month of August to celebrate our five years of the No BS Marketing Platform, so make sure that you stay tuned in throughout the rest of the month. Remember, ask yourself what is a big idea and build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions, No BS.